This is Rat Pack Radio, the internet radio station that brings you everything from the top hits of music. Hey guys, this is Bruno Mars. To Sports Talk Radio. With the first pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Los Angeles Rams select Jared Goff, quarterback, California. We are here for you, WRPR Rat Pack Radio. Come join the pack. Download the WRP Rat Pack Radio app on Google Play, BlackBerry, and the Apple Store. If you're streaming, you can stream us on TuneIn.com, Web Radio Central, or RatPackSports.com slash Radio. The Underground, discovering hidden talent worldwide. Playing daily on Rat Pack Radio, WRPR. Come join the pack. fans and welcome to you're listening to the rat pack sports show live on rat pack radio wrpr it's new it's fresh it's a slam dunk you're listening to rat pack sports show on wrpr rat pack radio See, a man has to realize his limitations. You don't know me, and you don't know what I'm capable of. That was a heck of an effort. This house is a prison in the galaxy of this sucks. You free enough. Battle is over. When I say it is over, I will massacre you. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. Are you not entertained? I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. That's how I roll. Oh, it's Hello? You play to win the game. There's a drive! Way back! It might be! It could be! Hey, this is my favorite part coming up right now. Sunday night, Rat Pack Radio, WRPR, NFL Sunday. And uh, as we always do, we're going to have a very fantastic show tonight. But we got to talk about this Sunday, uh, really, a lot of upsets and a lot of, you know, weird uh, game. So we're here. We're live. Rat Pack Radio, WRPR, streaming online, Rat Pack Sports. 
Also, the Rat Pack Radio WRPR app. We're on the TuneIn app for the Apple users. We're also on Spotify uh, podcast. We're on iHeart uh, Media as well. If you want to listen to the podcast and always uh, Podbean, ratpacksportsshow.podbean.com. You can check us out there and uh, hit us up there on Twitter at Rat Pack Sports with the Z. Facebook, Rat Pack Sports Show group and like page. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. So, uh, obviously, Bucks played Thursday. Uh, we will get into uh, that game, but uh, not much. I mean, it kind of turned out the way that I expected. Uh, we'll, we'll also... Uh, get into some other things here as well. Uh, it is Sunday night, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, we got one of our greats on the line with us right now, so I want to bring him on in. Rat Pack Sports Show NBA Insider, Mr. Nicholas Lane. What's going on, brother? What's going on? NBA season has started and it is an exciting time of the year. It's an exciting time to see how Victor Wimbanyama has played, about how a certain team in the Western Conference who's been good the last two years is gonna be, I think, really bad this year. And uh I I'm I'm pumped to see how the progression of what the Milwaukee Bucks will look like. There's a lot. There's a lot of nice things happening in the league this year, bud. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, the first uh, week, I guess you would say, is week season started on Tuesday night. Uh, been interesting to see some some of the new look teams and uh, see some of the more established teams. Uh, the Nuggets, you know, obviously it looks like they're going to be, uh, you know, the team to beat out West and well, well as they should uh, be the uh, team to beat in the West. They're the champs. Uh, my Magic, my Magic looking good to start the season. Uh, yes, they are. Not sure about the Warriors. You know, I mean, they got Draymond coming back, I think. Uh, so... You know, it's going to be a process with them. I think the Lakers are going to be a, a, somewhere between the 7th and the 10th seed again. Uh, I just, you know, I just see some things. Uh, Lakers really never, Lakers really didn't improve a whole lot. I mean, they, they signed, re-signed some of their own guys, but they really didn't improve, and then a lot of other teams around them got better. So, and uh, I'm going to ask you a question on the Lakers. Is it time? I'm ready. Is it time at this stage in uh, LeBron James' career to give up being the man? I, I would say for the state of the Lakers – this season, 
to be taken seriously in May and June if they make it to June? The answer is yes, because there's a guy on their roster a few weeks ago when I was on before the season started. I've been clamoring his name on this show, Derek, and you know who he is. It is Stone Cold Austin Reeves. Yep. That's his name on this show. I just come up with it now, and I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> Stone Cold Austin Reeves is absolutely – obviously, Anthony Davis is the reason night in, night out. They have to be uh, – you know, LeBron can keep competitive, right? Yep. But – Anthony Davis obviously can put you over the top most nights, and Austin Reeves can help stabilize maybe when LeBron is not having a good night. Because let me tell you, when you got a guy that can handle the ball, play, you know, hustle on defense, he can rebound for his position, he can shoot the three, and he can create for others. Besides LeBron, and you can't tell me that about. D'Angelo Russell's ability now in the league, which that is not a, an accurate statement in his game. Austin Reeves is the only other player on that roster besides LeBron that can do all that. Agree. Agree. And um, we said it last year. I know I did. I know uh, you had, you did as well. Um, the Lakers are a better team when the ball is in Austin Reeves' hand and he's facilitating the offense. If, if yeah, because it kind of it kind of goes to dead and it's slow. It's too slow with D'Angelo Russell handling the ball. Yeah, game. because the half-court offense is yeah, too slow. D'Angelo Russell is, is a scoring point guard, so he's handling the ball, but he's looking for he's looking for his opportunities too. So. He's trying to do a little bit of ISO at you know at the same time, uh, which you just need a guard that's gonna be focused on being a point guard, facilitating, getting the offense going. And then we all know what LeBron James does when he has the ball in his hands, and that's just dribble, 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 and then wait till about you know, ten, eight, seven seconds on the clock before he decide if he's going to pass it or try to, you know, take it to the basket himself. That's not an offense. And I mean, that sounds like an offense if you're in the 1994 Eastern Conference semifinals between the Knicks and the Pacers when the game's like 75 to 74 in the fourth quarter. That's absolutely an offense, but not in 2023. (laughs) No, no, I mean, exactly. And, you know, the game is obviously the game is a lot faster and the Lakers are really not set up. They really not, they are, they really not set up that way. And I just think that uh, LeBron James becoming an off ball player will benefit the Lakers opposed to him still trying to be the the guy and run everything through him. Because LeBron can still catch and shoot and hit threes, decent, like average for an like I think average percentages. I would say, sure he's streaky, but I would say overall, you can count on what thirty eight percent, thirty seven, somewhere around there. I mean, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would say throughout an average of a year, 
he's probably in that range. Yeah. So that's pretty good for in today's league with the amount of attempts that guys have. So, and then you also have the threat of immediately he gets the ball and then just runs to the rim. You have that threat too. He just usually doesn't take it if the, if the offense really just stops with LeBron rather than he should be an option that can do either or. And I think Reeves, again, another intangible that he has that I think he is better at it than even at D'Angelo Russell's is anticipation of where people are going to be at for the play to work or to put him in the position to score. And I, I just think Reeves has those instincts. And I, I see he starts, he plays all these minutes, and I, outside of Russell, he is the guy that really does handle the ball. So I think the Lakers at least see what we're seeing, but he should be the main guy facilitating this offense because it can't run through Anthony Davis. To, to facilitate it, can't run through LeBron because it's too slow, and it can't run through D'Angelo Russell because it's too slow. So I think the only option they have that's going to make them relevant through the throughout the season is that I think it's I think it's Austin Reeves, especially you know opening night. LeBron says that the plan is for him to play, you know. What what was it? Twenty eight to thirty minutes a night? What was that's it? Too it was many, something like that's too that. Too many and minutes. Then, that's too many and then minutes. He plays a bunch of minutes the second night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's too many minutes for him. I know. I know he pride himself on, you know, being in the best condition, shape, and all that. But you're in year twenty one, and at some point, uh, you have to understand that you not having a ball in your hands. Because let's be real, uh, I'm not saying he's he's slowed down. He's slowed down a little bit as far as his ability to attack. I mean, there's there's times where he could be very explosive, and then there's a lot of the times where, you know, if if you, he's not just blowing past people anymore. So yeah, I mean, I mean, we got to look at it in the perspective of a year twenty-one, a tw- year in year twenty-one, like Kobe in what year twenty was barely playing uh, most nights. He wasn't even playing at all. Dirk Nowitzki in what year twenty barely even playing, uh, didn't barely looked like he could even move on the floor yeah. anymore. But LeBron still has something. Yeah, he still and, got something. But I mean, if he if he wants to prolong the season and not be worn down, playing 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 thirty minutes a night. Yeah, that's, that's what I would do if I were Darvin Ham. Yeah, but then, like you said, the the game two of the season, he played every single minute. So, yeah, he, he played. Yeah, he played a lot more. And I mean, yeah, they won, but AD had to be dominant. Where AD got ate up by Jokic in game one, right? It was the opening night. Yeah. So, I, I, I would say. I, I, it still points everything, everything success wise. Yes, Davis will get his numbers, and yes, LeBron will get his numbers. But the point is for them to be good throughout the season. Austin Reeves has to be that guy, and and, and I, I think it starts and stops with him in the conversation. Yep. Because we already know what we're getting with the two stars. It's not about that Austin Reeves is better than the two stars. It's about he makes them either an actual team or just a decent pickup team that might lose by eight or might win by five some nights. Like that's what I think of 
how big of an impact Austin Reeves' development has been over the last couple of years. Well, and and this for everybody that's you know big time LeBron James fans, I get it. Y'all, you guys still think this this is this team is his team. He's still he's still a major key piece uh, to what they what they got to do moving forward. But he's not he's not the point he's not the point anymore. He's not he's not the point anymore because we got a, we got enough we got enough game tape we got enough time now to see when the ball is in Austin Reed's hands things happen. Like we said it last Good year. Yeah, we said it last year. Uh, it was times where the Lakers' offense was cooking in, in like a well-oiled machine, and LeBron was just standing in the corner. He wasn't even touching the ball. Like possessions at a time, one, two, three, four straight possessions down court one game. He barely touched the ball. And the ball was moving, offense was moving, people was getting wide open looks, and it started with Austin Reeves uh, get bringing the ball down court. That's that to me. That's what it needs to be if the Lakers are serious about you know competing, or you just want to cater to keep catering to LeBron and slowing the game down, and you know four players standing around while he figure out what he want to do with the ball. Yeah, or like. Or as painful as it would be to watch is D'Angelo Russell and LeBron pick and rolls. Like, it just wouldn't work. And yeah. so, uh, to me, I think it's very evident. It's either you're going to be floundering around 500 most of the year or you're going to be actually taken serious. And, and to me, if you want to be, obviously, Austin Reeves is the key. I think it's pretty clear, it's pretty evident that it is that reason. Um, one team that I don't think in the West, like when I came on just a few minutes ago saying that there is a team in the West that I would already, Derek, I would already cue the Undertaker music Uh-oh. and it's already game three of the season for this team. One, two, three, say it out loud. It is the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. The Memphis Grizzlies are definitely Undertaker music worthy of not even making the plan. If they make the plan, I think with this roster, obviously without John Moran for 25 games because he can't keep a gun concealed, apparently. And, uh, and of course, Stephen Adams, their starting center is out for the year. So to me, yes, Desmond Bain is an awesome, awesome player. He's really good. Marcus Smart, outside of Boston, I would say he's a starter in the league almost everywhere. But Xavier, <laughs> Xavier Tillman is your starting center. You can't be taken seriously. I'm sorry. You just can't. Their bench is a little too young, a little too unproven. Jaron Jackson is not a second star to be able to withstand no, with no John Morant. And of course, this is all on top of are we going to, what, what John Morant are we going to get after his suspension? And so 
to me, this team has been on the rise the last two years. This year will be obviously a big step back. I don't see a path unless they overpay in the trade market at the deadline for them to get a bruising starting center again. I don't see it unless, like I said, they overpay. And one of the few guys that they could, that would probably fit would be Jonas Valanciunas that they traded two years ago from Memphis to New Orleans. The only way that New Orleans would give him up is if New Orleans starts out the season not very good, which could happen only because of Zion's uh, effect for that team or not. But I, I don't see a path for Memphis unless Desmond Bain plays so many levels above every night that I, I just don't see it for this team this year. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's going to be real tough for them. Um, you know, with without Smart, without uh, Steven Adams, uh, it's going to be real tough for them. Uh, 25 games by the time Jock gets back, they could be 10 games on the 500, maybe even more than that. And in the, in any conference, especially the West, where it's a little bit tougher than the, than the East, uh, you know, a 10-game hole, 10-plus game hole early in the season, uh, it's going to be very hard to climb yourself out of that hole. And... Um, you know that'll just be a learning lesson for the for the Grizzlies. Um, got got to be a little bit deeper. Got to have a little bit more depth. Uh, obviously, you were, you knew coming into the season that you was gonna be without Ja uh, already. Um, you know you brought in a few guys that'll help alleviate that. Uh, situation, but you know it's not enough. And I think def- you know defensively, say what you want about uh, Dylan Brooks, but uh, defensively you got worse. You know when you decided not to bring, uh, you know Dylan Brooks back, and then you lose Adams, and you lost your uh, job job for twenty five games. Uh, I, I just like you said, I, I just think it's a whole. A lot to overcome. It's too much. Um, the Dylan Brooks piece, at least on the defensive end, is a is a massive hole that they can't get out of. And uh, you know, there's something to be said. The trend this year, I believe, in the league will be if you have a pretty good point guard or a good enough point guard, you will do very. You should do well. If you don't, or you're struggling, or you have a platoon at point guard like William Graves' Chicago Bulls, then I think you're going to really struggle. And we have seen that, of course, about said team Chicago Bulls so far. And this Memphis Grizzlies team is another one where they they traded Tyus Jones. And yes, Marcus Smart is an upgrade over Tyus Jones, but Tyus Jones is an actual legitimate point guard where – Marcus Smart is a defensive 3 and D shooting guard. So the Grizzlies don't really have a real point guard either. So I, to me, it's I, – I just – I can't take him seriously this year. 
Uh, obviously, I can't take Portland seriously. They're full rebuild. Uh, they're in a full rebuild situation. I think teams like Toronto and Chicago are going to be like we don't. Why are they still trying to win games? And I think that's going to become a reality later in the season uh, to where they're going to have to make pretty hard decisions on what to do uh, with those rosters in, in Toronto and Chicago. But for Memphis, uh, the undertakers already appeared out of the casket. He's arrived to the ring and it's done. This, I don't think there's a chance that they can make the, the play in tournament this year, especially with my bold prediction of the Oklahoma city thunder being a 50 win team this year. And I firmly believe that they are. They got their butts kicked, of course, by the Cavs today. But so far, they have been pretty impressive. Um, Cavs. Cavs? Uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Who did they play, Who did they play today? Or Well, the, thun- yes, the Thunder played... The Thunder played Cleveland, the, the Cavaliers or the Cavs, and uh, they got their butts kicked. But the prior games before that, I think they have looked impressive. Yeah, yeah, I, I like. Uh, you know, obviously, we like what Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma City has done uh, with that roster uh, since um, you know the rebuild started. They are one. They are one of those up and coming teams in the West. Um, I'm sorry. Excuse me. They beat the Cavs. They lost to Denver today. Excuse me. That's, yeah. That's who they lost. Okay. Yeah. 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 I see it now. Denver. Yeah. One twenty eight ninety five. Um. Yeah, but I like I like what they, you know, they've done with that team. Uh, I definitely see them making that next step. You know, getting getting into the playoffs, whether it be a play-in situation or they they make it outright. Um, you can you know Sacramento Kings obviously, there's not a whole lot of room. I mean, you got Rockets, Grizzlies, Trailblazers, Jazz, Spurs. That might that might be what it end up looking Your like. Bottom five. Bottom five at the end of the season. Um, because I mean, Timberwolves, you know. They'll be there, Lakers. They'll be in that next tier. Uh, Clippers, Dallas. probably next tier. Kings, you know, all these teams in this second tier. And then you got the uh, top six: Denver, Dallas. Uh, a Pelicans team with Zion healthy is a one of the top three or four teams in the Western Conference. I mean, it's, it's, absolutely, it's, and I. I I don't think that is a brash statement. No. We, it would only be a brash statement only because we haven't seen Zion fully healthy uh, in over two years at least. Yeah. So uh, they are a dangerous team, and they could be a top five team in the West. As well, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, the, the days of our, you know, it's like the old sitcom show, The Days of Our Lives. Mm-hmm. It's as, as Zion, as Zion dictates our lives. That's yeah. how it should go. And that's, that's, he is a force that not a lot of people can deal with in the league. Just like we have seen flashes so far of Victor Wimbanyama demonstrating that as well, too. 
which will take time, but I like what the Spurs are doing. I think they are slowly getting their rebuild in a good spot as well for their team. They're just a little further away, but so far I have liked what I have seen out of Victor Wendanyama, and I think the sky's the limit for him in the league and what he is going to be just fooling people pretty bad. Uh, so I, I still think he's going to be great. Sure. His numbers aren't terrific, but the stretches that you see like that stretch in the fourth quarter on opening night, yeah. where I think he rattled off seven straight points, made three shots in a row. He can really fill it up fast. Like he could just kind of be in a lull for a little bit. And this was kind of his scouting during um, his last season that he would go through rolls for a little bit of time. That all of a sudden you get like 10 points in two minutes, you get like three blocks, and he would go crazy and you could change the momentum of the game. Now, obviously, he's not going up against Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving in France, but I would say he can really change the momentum of a game really fast. And there's not a lot of guys in this league that can do that. One of them is Zion Williamson. He could do it for longer stretches because we would like to believe that he will actually play a season in shape. <laughs> if he does, holy man, holy moly, that Pelicans team can really do something. Yeah. And, and, you know, like we said, over the, I'm going to say the last two years, when you compel all the games that he's actually played, and then you you see the uh, win loss record with the Pelicans when he's in the lineup, opposed to when you know he's out of the lineup, it's one of the best records in the West. So the the proof is right there. You know, you just got to figure out a way to keep him healthy, and hopefully, I mean, there's nothing they're doing wrong. He's just been you know, injury prone. A lot of people say it's his size, he's too big. I say no. He's been this size his whole life and he's only be- become injury prone once he got into the league. So it's just just an unlucky stretch of you know, seasons where he's just been battling through, you know, some unfortunate uh, you know, injuries. So you know, a, a, a guy his size, you can't say, oh, you know, he's too big. Uh, his body's not used to carrying that type of weight. No, he's been carrying this, that weight his whole life. He's been playing basketball. He's never been no small small kid. So, I mean, you just have to figure out uh, what he's doing. Maybe it's, you know, change up his training uh, somewhat, focus on, you know, the the – the isol isolate isolate muscles and all of that stuff, which you know, hopefully, I'm sure that's what he's been doing. But um, if he can stay on the court, man, uh, the Pelicans team is gonna be, you know, a dangerous team. They're gonna be somebody that's gonna give uh, a lot of problems because they they got a lot of youth, they got a lot of talent. And they got a lot of they got a lot of players on that team that could cause some matchup issues, you know, in a playoff series. Well, 
to, to, to kind of break it down, I mean, they have a veteran who can distribute the ball pretty well, who doesn't kill your offense in C.J. McCollum. Yeah. They have a good enough center so Zion can actually play the right position that he is as a power forward in Jonas Valanciunas. They also have a backup star in Brandon Ingram that can help take over games if needed other nights that Zion might struggle. So they, and they have, you know, a Jose Alvarado and they got Trey Murphy. I mean, they, they have a couple of guys that are, you know, pretty frisky players. They can hit threes. They can get steals. Herb Jones is a good defensive. He's like a, he's like a taller Lou Dort in a sense. He's a really good defensive player. Uh, to, to me, I think the Pelicans have, the tools to be really to be really good, but they need that guy. They need Zion to be who he is. If he is who he is, man, they are far better than the Lakers could ever be. And that, and, and, and I say that pretty easily. That LeBron can't take Zion. Anthony Davis surely can't take Zion nope. on. And you're going to tell me that Jared Vanderbilt will? No, no. It's just it's, it's ridiculous. Like. He would, he would absolutely, I think, dominate the Lakers. It, it's pretty easy. Uh, you're looking at nobody on the Mavs. Maybe a Derek Lively could try to take on Zion, but he's a rookie. It, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be close. So I, I don't see anybody on the Mavs. Nurkic couldn't take Zion. I don't think so. So I don't really see in Durant. Probably not. So I don't really see a lot of people on the Suns that could take him. So if we if we see this evolution of seeing Zion become who we who we are who he is advertised to be, I I really think the Pelicans are a top five team in the West. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I just think they 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 have all the pieces uh, in place. It's just a matter of you know staying healthy. And uh, they they utilize their draft picks the right way, you know. In those those years where Zion was struggling, you know, health wise, it allowed them to, you know, have some some better draft picks, and uh, they went out and addressed other needs and and through trades and uh, free agency. So I you know I think they're one of the more uh, complete teams. You know, in in the Western Conference, um, the complete, the more complete team in the East, to me, right now at this very moment, it's Boston. But I think the better potential needs to be looked at in Milwaukee, in Damian Lillard, what he can do he took over on the, against the Sixers in opening night in that second half the Bucks never really had that before because Middleton's not that guy who takes over and they can't and Giannis can't do it every single game so for them to get Damian Lillard they still have good shooting they have good size with Portis Lopez and of course Giannis when Middleton ramps up and plays more minutes and becomes healthier, 
I think this Bucks team is going to be better than Boston, at least during the regular season. We'll have to see in a seven-game series. But to be honest with you, I, I like what Milwaukee is and who they are going to be and what they have done. I think this team can win 57-plus games uh, this year, 57 or more. I, I think this team's really good. 57, that's a good number. That's a good number. Um, that'll probably be uh, right around, you know, where they'll be uh, sitting at around the, the end of the season. <laughs> 57 and 25 is what that would be for them. And I, I, I think it's pretty doable. I, I, I do think there is some bottom teams, of course, in the East, and of course the, the bottom five teams in the West to feast on. So I, I, I can see them doing it. I, I, I think they can. You know, like if, if Giannis takes a night off, Lillard dominates. If Lillard takes a night off, then Giannis goes to work. And uh, to be honest, I, I don't think they're going to miss Drew Holiday, at least in the regular season, as much as we might anticipate. But in the playoffs, it could be a different story because then you're relying on guys like Pat Connaughton to fill that role. And as good of a shooter I think as Pat Connaughton is, he is not even, of, of course, in the discussion of what a Drew Holiday has been to that Milwaukee organization. But I still think this team is really good. I believe they are eventually going to be better than Boston, but for now, Porzingis looks really good in a Boston uniform so far. Yeah, and uh, you know, Porzingis had a lot of hype, you know, early early on in his career. Um, same thing with him, uh, you know, battled battled through some injuries uh, the first few years of his career. And the last few years, he's been fairly healthy and quietly um, has put up some some good numbers, points, rebounds, blocks, you know. And if he could bring that to Boston and, and manage to stay healthy, which I think it should be a little bit easier for him because they have other weapons, so they're not asking him to, you know, go out there and be the man or, or just fit in. And do you know? Do what he do what he do. Take he get up. He doesn't have to be the guy. He doesn't have to be the guy, and that's pretty important I think, yeah. for him. So to have Porzingis as a third, uh, you know, fourth option, that's a good situation to, to be in. Boston has that luxury, and you know, Al Horford is a can play a little bit, maybe a little bit less minutes at center. Um, sure. They don't have Robert Williams. And I think they are going to miss him. Portland is going to like him in, the, in their rebuild, but to have Al Horford still out there as backup and he's still playing really good ball at his age. This is another guy, you know, with it's the LeBron argument. I mean, uh, Horford was of course four years after LeBron when it comes to their draft years, but you can see Horford is still kind of, you know, he's slowing down a lot at his age. So to me, it's obviously really more evident that the Lakers, of course, night in, night out, should not rely on LeBron 
like lean on him all the time because a guy like Al Horford where Boston needs him, but they don't need him as hard and they need to obviously cater to that in order for that, for him to be able to get through the year pretty well to have, you know, give Porzingis the necessary rest, but also let Porzingis be who he is. He doesn't have to, you know, Al Horford doesn't have to be the starter anymore because they have a, a really good center in Porzingis. So I think Porzingis not being the guy every night is going to be a really big deal uh, for for him getting through the season a lot easier than maybe prior seasons where he had all the pressure on him in Dallas with Luka and even had some pressure on him with uh, alongside Bradley Beal where if you put two second-rate stars together and think that they're first-rate talent, look what happens. They both get traded. It's just not, It just doesn't work. But if you put a first-rate player in a Jason Tatum with a Porzingis, yeah. with a second-rate player in Jalen Brown, where Porzingis is a second-rate player still in the league, it works because he doesn't have to be the second guy. And I, I think it works very well for what the Boston situation will be like this year. And believe me, they'll be them and Milwaukee will be neck and neck. I think in in wins, I, I I'll call it fit, between 56 and 58 for Boston because they have they're a little bit more deeper, and they tend to blow teams out a little easier. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Uh, one one hundred percent. Well, go ahead. What you was gonna say? I was gonna say another team on the rise, and Derek, I think I think you're gonna stand up and be ready for this part too. How about your Orlando Magic? How about your Orlando Magic? Hey, they look good, <laughs> they're, man. They're, they're gonna. Br- I think they're gonna break out this year. I think this is the year that they actually get over that hump. Finally, get over that hump, become a play-in slash playoff team. I do believe they will play for it this year. I don't see them, you know, trying to get a top five pick. This I, I don't see them doing it. I I, I actually believe that they're going to go and actually try to be a playoff team this year. I think they're ready. They're getting there. They're getting there, man. I, I, you know, I just I just want to keep uh. You know, being uh, I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna say much. I'm just gonna. Just, I'm just gonna watch. I'm just gonna watch. Hey, gonna... They're they're two and zero, oh, and Jonathan Isaac is not even playing twenty minutes a night right now, off the bench. And I think he looked pretty good against the Rockets opening night. He had a good stretch, I think, in the second half where he put up some. He put up back to back. He put up like three baskets in a row and got fouled. Like it, and he he's a he's a he is a, an elite shot blocker when he's when he's when he's out there. He is really good, and I I think they have enough scoring this time around. They don't. I think their players are starting to mature. They're at that time where I think it's ready to say they have the scoring. Their defense might not be there fully, but. I think their bench will start to get figured out, especially the Jonathan Isaac piece, which come a month or two 
I can see him playing 25 at night and really start cooking there uh, with how good I think he is. Uh, I, I like this Magic roster. I think they have a, a really good one-two punch with Franz Wagner and Paulo Bancaro. They have good scoring off the bench with Cole Anthony. And and uh, I I like where it's going. Yeah, and uh, Wagner has has been pretty good uh, so far this season, and um, you know if he can keep that up and they can continue to do things the way they have been uh, developing, I think they they got a really good chance to uh, be there uh, at the end of the season and possibly get that you know, playing spot, I, you know, I would be happy if they didn't, didn't have to, you know, make the playoffs with the play in concept. But, uh, if they could get, you know, to the play in and get an opportunity, you know, it still is a, you know, playoff berth, even though I don't agree with the whole, you know, play in, I think it's just to award, you know, more mediocre teams, but in the Magic's case, it's a positive. Yeah, because yeah. they get to play pretty meaningful basketball. Obviously, we saw the Thunder get to the last game of the play-in tournament last season, and even though they got blown out by the Timberwolves, it still was a pretty. It was still meaningful basketball that they got to play, and I think it is a good building block for certain organizations, and of course, like the Bulls and the Raptors, just just staring at each other, who's going to lose. That's probably not (laughs) a great way uh, for those teams to be there. But I think a team like Orlando, it's fantastic for them. And, uh, you know, could we think at a decent portion of this season, could they be better than the Villanova Knicks? It's a great question. And I believe they could be i actually think that okay i think julius randall is maybe overrated maybe downtrending a little bit they they have Jalen suggs they have cole anthony they have you know they have guys that they can throw out there versus Jalen brunson Wendell Carter can guard Mitchell Robinson. And, you know, Josh Hart's going to have to play against like a Ben Carroll. And I think Ben Carroll offensively can can do really well against Josh Hart. So I I kind of think they're better than the Ramrod and Villanova Knicks going into this season. I think they could be that good. Hold on. I just realized what you said. You said, did you say the Villanova Knicks? Yeah, they got three Villanova players that played <laughs> together. You want to name them, Derek? I, can uh, name I know. You name them? I know. Um, Brunson is one of them. I don't right. know. I don't That's know the other two. One. Oh, oh, oh! Uh, the the uh, Divincenzo. 
DiVincenzo is door number two. And, and I probably won't know the third one. Uh, let me let me see. Nah, I, I don't. Them the only two that I really, really know. All right, third one's Josh Hart. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I forgot about him. So, okay, but I'll tell you, this Knicks team—they're the same. Nothing's really changed here, uh, except for you know, okay, they traded for Josh Hart at the deadline, and R.J. Barrett's still R.J. Barrett. Like I. I'm. This isn't. I told you last time I was on the show. This is kind of a year of some bold predictions here, and I think there's another one brewing. And I think it is the Orlando Magic being better than the Villanova Knicks this year. I could see it. I wouldn't be stunned. And I don't, and Derek, I don't think you would be either. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, I think the Magic, um, you know, has a higher ceiling. Then the Knicks do. The Knicks, um, you know, they've the last few years they've shown the ability to compete uh, and get, you know, get to the playoffs. But uh, that's about it. They don't have a whole lot of, you know, uh, shooters opposed to, you know, what the Magic has. And I think, just think they have more, you know, players that's got a higher, you know, higher higher ceiling than what they have. I agree. I agree. I, I you know, I, I see Paulo Bancaro. I mean, is he a better version of a Julius Randle? I mean, Bancaro is more athletic than Randle. They're kind of the same dude in the half court, but I – I mean, obviously, Ben Carroll's 20. Randall's, like, what, probably 28 at least, right around there. So, I I like that better. I like Franz Wagner as a second scorer where, you know, they have to rely on Jalen Brunson as a second scorer. R.J. Barrett is hot and cold. You know, so is Cole Anthony. Like, I, I, I can see it going either way. And that's, I think that's bold prediction number two. Thunder to win 50 games or more, and the Magic will be better than the Knicks this year. I would agree. I'm going to agree with you on that. I think they will. I just think the Knicks, um, I think they're going to, I think they're going to plateau out a lot sooner than, you know, what the, uh, the magic will. Well, look at it in this perspective, right? Like ever since I've been banging on this drum for a couple of years about, about coach Ramrod, about how, about how the bulls plateaued, his old bulls teams plateaued. And do we see a lot of similarities with this Knicks squad? Maybe they score a little bit more in those bulls teams. I'll, I'll give you that, but, do you see that there's just too much half-court offense yeah. that the Knicks have to play where the Bulls in those days, of course, they had to play too much half-court offense. They're too slow. And I think the Knicks are very similar there. They don't have enough 
umps and they don't have enough, you know, they have enough to play barely just as good as like bad teams competition. And they have, and they have the potential to get blown out by really good teams or play a slugfest with a, with a good team. They don't have the potential. I don't see it to blow out good teams. I, I just don't, or, or good enough teams. I, I don't see that with them. I see a lot of bold similarities with them. And, you know, what's the old saying, Derek, when you stare, when, when the same thing doesn't work for multiple years, you're the crazy one. Yeah. Yeah. Insanity. Uh, that's, that's, that's your boy, Rimrod. Uh, you hit it on the head with the, you know, type of players that he has on the Knicks compared to the Bulls. He liked that tough, you know, physical, you know, brand of that tough physical team, uh, defensively, you know, sound and all that. That's all well and good. That's all well and good. But those type of players aren't always, you know, the best offensive players. So, you want a team where you got you you if you had a team with some offensive guys that could score the basketball, then you want to sprinkle in, you know, two or three of those type of players that are kind of balance out, you know, you, your your team on the on the defensive end of the court, on the offensive end of the court. He he just focuses too much on that, and that takes away from the ability for them to score uh, when they get, you know, in games against the, uh, you know, better teams, they're they're forced to score points, and that's that's where they struggle at. And do we, do we think that the Magic have much more potential to be maybe a little bit more free-flowing of an offense? Because a guy like Cole Anthony can kind of push the ball – where a guy like Jalen Suggs is more of a half-court dude, that's like a defensive guard. So, I I think the Magic have other ways to maybe push the action a little harder, where the Knicks are really just who they're going to be. Yeah, yep, and that just that's just the way you know he he wants to. Uh, develop his team, and uh, I guess you know if you're a Knicks fan, you know they they, they want that that tough physical uh, brand of basketball, but uh, just realize that it's not going to amount to uh, you know good football. I mean, good basketball. Once you get into the playoffs, you're gonna have to try to figure out another way, and sometimes that's just not, you know, what's gonna get you to a championship. Not in the day's game, uh, it is played differently, and you got to be able to adjust and have have those type of players on your roster. If you don't, then you know you'll be good, but. You won't be good enough. 
not when it counts. But the the last thing the last thing I'm going to talk about before I head out, so Sean Naylor and William and yourself can talk obviously about today's games from the NFL. I watched a good portion on opening night versus the Blazers. That this Los Angeles Clippers team with a fully healthy Kawhi Leonard and a healthy Paul George. And Russell Westbrook not looking out of control, passing, looking for the assist, not taking a lot of shots, still being the aggressive self that he is. That's a combination that we haven't really been able to talk about with this Clippers team, about how it's the first time since Paul George and Kawhi joined forces that they have been that they have both been healthy going into the season. And maybe we've underestimated how good they can be with both of them healthy and an under control Russell Westbrook. We have what are your Westbrook. thoughts on that, Derek? I forgot Westbrook was over there. Uh, he will definitely make them a much better basketball team. Um, it didn't work in L.A. Uh, the smart people, we we said it from the beginning that it wouldn't work in L.A. Main, not with the Lakers. Yeah. No, not with the Lakers. Not with the Lakers. Uh, that was a bad, you know, that was a bad trade for Russell Westbrook and for the Lakers because he's – Russell Westbrook is one of the last true – point guards that we have in this league. So in order for him to be effective, he's got to play with a team that allows him to be a point guard. We know what he's going to do rebounding. We know what he's going to do, you know, defensively. But him being Russell Westbrook, I think in in the Clippers situation, you got two guys in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George that are very unselfish, you know, players. So they will allow him to be at his best self more often than not game in and game out because if they can play off ball, and this is this is different between players that, that understand how to play off ball and then players that don't understand how to play off ball. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard know how to play off ball. So they don't mind. Yeah, they're, they're terrific at it, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so they don't mind playing off ball and letting a guy like Westbrook facilitate the offense, and then they could just, you know, just get to their spots. And as much criticism and heat that Westbrook gets as a player – He's actually a really he's actually a really good creator number one because he gets the whole still at his age at an elite he Very can quick. get there in an elite way yeah he can also drop off passes really well to guys like George Zubat and of course Kawhi where Kawhi doesn't need to take a lot of dribbles to do his moves he's he's a catch and shoot dude he's a one dribble couple you know like one step pop up and shoot guy too. Paul George obviously will dribble a little bit more. He's more of an ISO dude that is a catch-and-shoot shooter, of course, as well. But 
to to me the the fact that I'm watching a Westbrook that doesn't have to do everything in order for their team to be good is actually a really refreshing way to watch him play. And I think it's going to benefit greatly for the Clippers this year, especially with their two, of course, their big stars healthy, which we have never seen that in these four years in this experiment with these two guys here. So this is, this is where the West could get complicated. We kind of forget about the Clippers a little bit because they haven't been healthy because they haven't been taken very seriously, but I think the West gets a little complicated. It gets a little mopped up in a sense, right? Like you got, you got Denver, you got Phoenix as probably the top two teams, maybe Golden State. And then now, you know, maybe the Clippers, maybe of course the Pelicans that we have talked about uh, as well, Minnesota, Oklahoma city. I mean, they're all, those four teams are all pretty close. And I am going to put Oklahoma city in the Clippers conversation because they, I think that they have that potential to be that good enough. And yeah. so that's where I think the West gets a little complicated of who is better than who in that range. But all of the, all four of those teams are better than the Lakers going into this year. 100%. The media can talk about, oh, they got Christian Wood and they got Gabe Vincent and they're keeping Jared Vanderbilt. Like, they got Tory and Prince. Or, oh dear, man, man, it's that Lakers media hype, man. It's this. It sometimes it could be pretty nauseating, as as Derek, as you well, I think, agree with that statement. Oh yeah, but all the time. I I do believe that this Clippers roster is good. They're they are they are well they're well to machine. They didn't have any really big additions in the off season. So they got to, they got to work out all off season together and be together all off season. So I think this squad's pretty good. And I, I think they are a little overlooked, but I, I feel they are a fourth rate about, about fourth in the West. That's what I would, that's where I would put them. Okay, I mean that's not, you know, that, that that's probably right, right around where, you know, they would probably uh, you know, finish. And my Anthony Bennett All Star radar is on lock. I am watching Ben Simmons, and so far. A little positive. Hasn't fallen off in the first few games. Has looked engaged. So could we get a different Ben Simmons? It is certainly possible. But I'm still locked on my radar with him. I'm gonna watch it. If he if he's missing, if he starts pouting, if he can't if his percentages are bad, if he's not contributing to winning basketball, he's complaining more than he is than, than he's caring about winning. And that radar is going to be right on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be right on it. I'm, I'm locked in. I am watching. I'm, I am definitely watching for it. He's had a couple of decent stat games. Of course, he still can't shoot, but 
you know, so far he's not a, he wouldn't be a number one guy, but doesn't take very long for that to happen, especially with when it comes to him. Yeah, I I agree. I agree, man. Um... And Derek, the last thing I'm going to say before I go is, why couldn't Chris Godwin turn around and catch that Hail Mary on Thursday? You know, unbelievable. I I, I think because normally, you know, normally Chris Godwin always is prepared and ready to make, you know, catch the ball. I think what happened was he was trying to, you know, get himself into the end zone first and, you know, get himself in position so, uh, you know, he can could can make a play on it. He wasn't expecting that ball uh, to drop right at his feet almost. I mean, he had he turned maybe three seconds sooner, it's a touchdown. But I don't think uh, – obviously, he wasn't ready. Uh, and you could clearly see – as the ball is dropping, he's still, you know, just getting into the end zone. You know, on those type of plays, you want to make sure you want to make sure you're in the end zone. So if you do catch the ball, you're in the end zone. So the ball was only about three, you know, maybe four yards deep uh, in the end zone. So the only thing that I could think is he was, you know, trying to get himself in the end zone first before. He, he turned around to uh, locate the ball, but not, you know, didn't realize that, you know, Baker hadn't already threw it. And, uh, you know, for a Hail Mary, it was a pretty good pass. It actually was. You know, I was a little surprised about, about that, that, you know, they got that five-yard penalty, and I was like, oh, you know, maybe can Baker chuck it that far, you know, 65 yards? And the answer is yes, he can. <laughs> I was impressed, actually, by that in that Hail Mary. Yeah, you know, uh, it would have been – it would have been a crime if as bad as that game looked, they would have uh, – Caught that hell, Mary, and won that game. I wouldn't have called that a crime. I would have been running well, out the door and celebrating. For, for, for the Bucks, you know, it's the best thing ever uh, because you just won a game in Buffalo that nobody was expecting you to win anyway. But if I'm a Bills fan, um, I would have been sick to my stomach if uh, – we would have gave that up and lost that game. Yeah, if I was a Bills fan, I'd be I running mean, they, out of the stadium wanting to get yeah. through, go through a flaming table before I get to my car. Yeah, I mean they were they was out you know they was outplayed for for the the most part in that game. Um, I thought early on they was gonna run away with it because uh, they let kind of let Josh Allen go, and he started making plays on his on his uh, with his legs. And that's not something you want uh, as an opponent of, you know, Buffalo Bills is for them to say, okay, Josh, we're going to let you go tonight. Because when when he is on, 
and he has, and you know, he's running, he's scrambling, he's making things happen with his feet, and he's throwing the ball accurate. You know, he's he's one of the best quarterbacks in the game. That's why they that's why they paying him, you know, that type of money. So I thought it was gonna be over <laughs> early. I thought it was gonna be over early. Well, you know, if if they lose one more game, then I think pivoting to a Kyle Trask and going towards uh, something about, I would say, not like more of a rebuild type situation or like going that direction would probably be better for them by the end of the season. Well, yeah, and and there was some rumblings going on that, uh, you know, there's a possibility that if, if Baker has a few more of these, uh, you know, questionable performances that they may in in uh, go to uh, Trask as the uh, quarterback, but uh, obviously they're going to you know probably wait a few more weeks. Um, you know, the head coach came out. In the press conference, it said they're 100% committed and behind Baker. And uh, that's that's the guy that they're getting ready to, you know, play the next game with. So we all know the coach speak. And at, at the end of the day, uh, it, it's about production. It's about, you know, getting them wins and – You know, once you're getting to that point where it's looking like this thing may be over, uh, obviously, one at some point you're gonna have to start, you know, playing, paying, or playing some of these younger guys to see what they have. Cause, I mean, I'm I'm 100 for sure. This is a you know a re rebrand rebuild type of situation for the uh, Bucks. Now, they still have a chance in the division because obviously Atlanta lost today. Yes, uh, New Orleans won, but uh, you know, Atlanta still lost, so they, you know, it, it's still they still have a chance in that in that regard. Outside of that, they don't have a chance. <laughs> no, no, for I sure. mean, so here's, they, here's, the realis- here's the realism uh, for us Bucks fans. Yeah, we got a chance. Our division is straight up garbage, and we do have a chance to uh, get into the postseason. But outside our division, we don't have a chance of nothing. We don't have a chance of nothing. And, and I think we, I think we kind of knew that going into the season. Yeah. Like outside of the division, we, yeah, we didn't have a chance to get further than that. So, um, as always, Derek. I'll wrap it up and uh, thank you for giving me the time coming on. And uh, I know it's Sunday, it's not NBA day, but you know, I, I, I didn't yeah. get a chance to come on Wednesday and I, I would have loved to, but uh, tonight I did have some time. So oh, no I'm problem. Man. No problem. We got, we still got a little time to squeeze in these games, but, but uh, anytime you can come on, Hey, like, like left field correspondent said, you, you don't have to ask for permission to uh you know come on the show that's all it's football day i I gotta ask yeah that's that is true that is true but uh 
you know, you don't have to ask. Just, you just call in and, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll reroute the conversation, you know, to get in some uh, NBA talk. So we still got time here in the show. Uh, a lot of these, uh, you know, to talk to the NFL and, you know, this Sunday night game, which is 27 to 7. Um, Definitely not surprised. Chargers, yeah, yeah. I mean, this 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 game here is not a surprise. I mean, it's just you know, Bears are the Bears, you know. Yeah, absolutely, they are. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go get Sean Naylor on, get William on, and you guys have uh, you guys have a fun time. All right, brother. Uh, appreciate you calling in, and uh, we'll catch you next time, man. Okay, thank you, guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Rat Pack Sports Show, NBA Insider, Nicholas Lane, calling in to talk some NBA. And, uh, you know, anytime he's on, it's uh, always a good conversation. And I appreciate him calling in.